Welcome to the first episode of the For the Fans podcast, a pod for fans by fans. I am one of the I'm one of your co-hosts, Philip Janini. For those who don't know me, I'm from Mississauga. I'm an avid sports fan. I have a bachelor in sports management and a certificate in sports marketing. I've worked with the Honda Indy Toronto, a hockey analytics company called Stats Track, and the Oilers and Oil Kings, where I met my co-host Dalton. Dalton, tell the people who you are and let's talk some sports. Hey everyone, my name is Dalton Scammerhorn. Uh, I'm a lifelong Oilers fan. I was born in Edmonton, uh, raised in Fort McMurray, and then I came back down to Edmonton to uh, pursue a career working in pro hockey. I've got my marketing degree from the University of Alberta, and I've spent four years working for the OEG, Oilers Entertainment Group, where I started uh, working with Phil. And we just thought it'd be a good idea to uh, start a podcast, share our thoughts. I mean, unemployed uh, sports fanatics uh, right here. So I think we're just going to kind of just get into it. I mean, there's a lot that happened last week. So I think we should start with, uh, let's say, the NFL. Um, you watched the games last week, Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, yeah. I uh, got a little bit of the uh, the Browns game. That was quite a uh, quite a game, quite a almost comeback by the boys. And then, uh, yeah, they just uh, couldn't get it done. Yeah, it was looking like uh, they were going to pull the upset. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if you watched the game too too much, but I think they technically could have won. Uh, there was like a, you know, there was a head hit that had the ball fumble into the end zone, which is a touch, which is a touch back, mm-hmm. and it was unreviewable. So they couldn't review it. So they made the call, a touchback, and then when they actually looked at it, it was a head hit. So the call probably would, you know, they would have got a, penalty and then they would have been fine so i mean they only won by what is it five points yeah but i mean i mahomes did you know leave the game what did you think when you saw him kind of looking like he didn't have legs there for a second oh yeah i was thinking that might be the end of it for the chiefs well the uh the browns there really had that push at the end and uh i really thought they were going to do it i thought they were going to knock out the chiefs but uh they're a much different team without Mahomes, and it's going to be interesting this weekend when they face off against the Bills if uh, if they don't have him. I think he's I think he's playing. Yeah, is he? Yeah. So basically, what I read was that it wasn't a head hit because it wasn't if you watched it, but he still like kind of looked like that concussion. But it was apparently something to do with a nerve in his neck. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That looked kind of scary. Um, but Chad Henney came in, ex Dolphin. Uh, ex-Michigan, comes in, he throws an interception, but, man, Andy Reid has the biggest balls in the league. Fourth and one, shotgun, and they throw it, and they and that's how they win the game. Like, can you believe that? Like, fuck. Absolutely unreal, but <laughs> I think Andy Reid's probably the best uh, coach in the NFL that only has one Super Bowl. Yeah, this is his third back-to-back-to-back uh, championship game for the, for the KC, so that just shows how good of a coach he is and how good of a team they are. I mean, like, before the Mahomes injury, he was 21 for 30, 255 yards, and a touchdown, no interception. Like, that's, that's MVP numbers. That's absolutely so real. If, if this is what they're getting next week, then, I mean, I can see them going to the Super Bowl. But I think we'll go into kind of our picks for this weekend um, after we kind of just go over the rest of the game. So, I guess that game was on Sunday. That's the AFC game. Uh, did you watch the AFC game on the Saturday? That was the Bills versus the Ravens. No, I uh, I myself missed that the the game. How about you give us a little recap? 
Yeah, I'll give you a little recap. <clears throat> I hate the Bills. Let's let's just start with that. But um, they de- they definitely deserve to win. Their 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 defense did their job. They basically let let them have three points. They scored six points off of a really long. I think it was the longest interception in the playoffs. Um, and I mean Lamar Jackson. Look at his numbers. He was fourteen for twenty four, but he all, 162 yards. They had nine carries for 34 yards. Now that's – and an interception. Like That's not usually what, you know, the ex-MVP kind of gives. Maybe in the throwing department, but 34 yards running, like they just stopped the run consistently. Jeez. Well, didn't they just also – oh, no, no, that's the – sorry, different team. I, I flubbed it. Keep going. <laughs> no problem. I mean, I know all the Bills fans are going crazy and – uh and, you know, there's tables being sold uh, at Dick's Sporting Goods everywhere in Buffalo area. But, I mean, their offense, they only had 220 yards. The last time they had, you know, under that was when they played the Chiefs last year. And they were four for 13 from third down. So, I mean, the Bills won, but I don't think they played their best game. Um, I think Diggs did. He had 106 yards of Josh Allen, 206 yards. So, you know, that just shows how he's the best wide receiver right now in the league. So, I mean, I think they're still the second-best team in the AFC. But, I mean, kudos for them for finally making it. I know I have a couple of people who are friends with them. <laughs> friends with them. Fans of them. And they just – they're ecstatic. And I can't be happy – I mean, I can't be happy for them. I'm a Dolphins fan. But, hey, they deserve it, so they're there. I also want to shout out the, the Bills fans for donating money to Lamar's charity in Louisiana. Uh, where do you play? You play Louisville, right? Louisville? His uh, college career? College. Yeah. Pretty sure he played Louisville. Anyways, they, they donated $360,000. It just started with someone saying, like, hey, they played a good game. I'm going to donate $8 to this charity because, you know, they lost and they ended up, you know, kind of hurting him. Like, he was going to the – he was going to the uh, – he wasn't even going to the tent. He was going to the washroom again. I thought he was going to come back and make the upset, but <laughs> that didn't happen. That's sweet, though. So – yeah. So it started with one Bills fan, and then it just kind of carried. And yeah, uh, man. Bills fans are crazy. We're a crazy fan base. Yeah. Well, they're jumping through flaming tables now, right? So they got to figure yeah, out a way to one up. Team. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess if you keep going on on the football train, um, in the same day, uh, Green Bay played the Rams. Green Bay won thirty-two eighteen. I thought Rodgers was nothing but perfect. Everything he, he just, you know, he was money that day. Oh. 23 for 36, almost 300 yards, 296, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That Green Bay team's Mike. looking absolute unreal, too. Like, they've got some real weapons on that team, and you can see that Rodgers is having, like, an MVP caliber season. Like, the man is did you, looking at... Like, did you see him smirking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's ballsy. And, I mean, you're totally right about the team. Like, they have so many options. Like, they literally ran the ball with th- they ran three running backs, mm-hmm. right? And Rodgers ran, so that four people run the ball. They had all their wide receivers catch. They had their tight end, Tanya, and catch. Like everybody was doing their job. I, I, you know, it was, it was it was just too much for the Rams. I do want to say that Jalen Ramsey did a good job on Devontae Adams. He only had 66 yards mm-hmm. in the touchdown, and I mean the touchdown was kind of his fault. Kind of the other guy who didn't who didn't go cover him after like I don't know there was something there he was pretty pissed after the touchdown to his guy but uh 
after that game, I was like, I can't even talk too much about it. Like they just kind of came in. Oh, the, played well. Like, they, they just picked just them apart. Yeah, it, they never had a problem with the Rams that game, or they didn't seem to. I mean, they kind of got lucky. I'm not saying the Rams are bad, but I mean, out of the teams that were there, they were probably the lowest ones, you know, remaining. Yeah, them and the Bucks. But yeah, and I guess if you want to go, we'll talk about the Bucks. So they they won thirty twenty over the Saints, and. I don't know if you saw that game, but it was, it was mostly the defense that uh, did a lot of the work for the, for the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, they kept it close for most of the game. They didn't really pull ahead until the very end there. Yeah, but, I mean, like, poor Drew Brees. Potentially it might be his last game, kind of tell it was. Uh, I mean, if he does retire, then we'll kind of talk about it more. But for that game, he had three interceptions. Like, And then Jared Cook also had a fumble, so four turnovers, like, it just, you're most likely not going to win games when you have four turnovers. Well, and you look at the New Orleans Saints. They have so much talent on that team. It's so surprising that team hasn't won a Super Bowl yet in its current iteration. Like, you're looking at everywhere throughout that lineup, you have some of the top talent in the NFL. And, like, regular season, they tend to dominate. But it's just, oh, other than a couple times they're getting screwed in the playoffs, like, this this was really their big chance to show it against uh, – Tampa Bay and uh, the Bucks, but uh, Brady came through once again. Brady came through. I mean, he didn't have a stellar game, but he played well. They they kept the ball to their hands. Uh, you know, he's eighteen for thirty three hundred ninety nine yards, two touchdowns. Like that's that's not super like amazing, but I mean, hey, they got thirty points. You know, they the defense played well. And uh, can we just shout out that Jameis Winston also threw a touchdown pass in this game? It was one for one. <laughs> I'm just saying, like that's true. He might be the future quarterback. I mean, although that he wasn't the backup when Breeze was hurt and Taysom Hill was the backup, but I think with Hill and Winston, they should, you know, Peyton's gonna find some stuff to do next year. Well, you imagine Jameis Winston. There's got to be something there. Like he seemed really shaky in Tampa Bay, and of course there was the uh, thirty for thirty when he was. Uh, throwing as many interceptions as touchdown passes, but you got to think. But 30 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns is like really impressive in the league. 30 interceptions is not, but the, the fact that you can score the ball that many times throwing, throwing it, it was impressive, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's the end for him. I hope it's not. No, it'd be nice to see if he can revitalize his career, especially with such a great team around him. Like you, you got to think the coaches can work with him and be like, Hey, how about you throw to the guys wearing our jerseys? Yeah, but you don't even have to throw too, too much. I mean, you have he's like a very good running back. Really <laughs> Just give Kamara the ball. <laughs> exactly, right? Like Michael Thomas was hurt this year. Drew Brees, Drew Brees was hurt. Like, you know, they didn't even play full a full year, and they still made it to the playoffs with like 11 wins, which is very impressive. Yeah. But, Dalton, they lost, so they're out. And uh, we can't talk about them next week. But for next week, which is uh, two games on Sunday, we have Bills versus KC, which is uh, one versus two. So that's going to be crazy. Uh, I just was thinking, like, who do you think is going to win? Like, are you leaning towards the Bills? I know you have a little crush on why, <laughs> but. I, I think I want to keep the dream alive. I want to say Bills. They've been cooking recently, but, like, you can't bet against Mahomes and the Chiefs. If if it's a healthy Mahomes, you got to think that the, the Chiefs come through and that offense just pours through and you – you get them in another Super Bowl. That's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, I can't 
I mean, is, if it was someone else, maybe, but I just don't see them beating KC. Um, it's the rematch of week, I think, seven or eight this year. Uh-huh. KC won 26-17. It was the lowest scoring, you know, yards for the Bills that year, or the, for the year. Uh, I think I think uh, I think Mahomes if he's healthy he's gonna throw to everyone and I think if they do end up kind of winning I think they need to run the ball. So when they played the first time, Alaire had 160 uh, 161 yards. Like that's crazy. So obviously he's not playing I think because he's hurt. He missed last game. But if, if I think it's Daryl Williams is their their backup right now. Not even Le'Veon Bell. And hey, look for him to have a big game. And I, I think they're gonna win. I think they're gonna make it to the the Super Bowl and it depends who they're playing because I think it might go either way. I just find it crazy that you've got Brady, Rogers, and Mahomes all left, and any of those guys are a big enough X factor on their team that they can just carry them. They play a good game, they start cooking. Watch out. Yeah, because like the Bills got Bills and Casey got the young quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and then Bucks and Packers got the old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you got the number one Packers versus I think number five Bucks. Oh. I don't think that really means anything to Tom Brady. Uh, he made it to NFC Championship game this first year in the NFC, which is, you know, crazy. It's his 14th championship game. The next quarterback has seven. Like, he's the GOAT. That's under. I've hated him watch my, destroy my team for years, but he's the GOAT. You don't you deserve to be the GOAT when you put up numbers like that. And he has the chance to win it. If he wins his seventh, oh, I don't even want to talk about it. Like, Oh, man, it- People are going to be pissed, but you know what I mean? But that's the thing is he's proving that, like, as much as the Packers – or sorry, not the Packers, the uh, Patriots' way and the Patriots' system is so huge. It's it, – a lot of it was centered around Tom Brady from the looks of it. Like, I mean, the Patriots' season, it looked – well, literally, they, they went half and half. Like, it was – not not the best team out there, but uh, Brady's really followed through with the Buccaneers, and uh, he, he seems to be able to use the weapons that are around him. It's obviously a good offense, and that's what everyone's saying is, oh, it's the offense, it's the offense. You put any quarterback in that, but that's the same thing. Jameis Winston, you look at him with the Buccaneers. Why weren't they making the playoffs? Why weren't they going as far? You, you know it's because Brady's such a good quarterback. Well, then is it the system or is it Brady? And I'm saying it's Brady. I think Brady too. I think he just brings some. But unfortunately, I'm still picking the Packers. I think they're the offense is going to win this game. Um, I think the D needs to kind of not allow Tom to come back or even gain momentum because that's what happens in the past. Where he comes back out of nowhere and just storms it. So I think the Packers just keep like a big lead. Uh, you know, even two possessions, three possession lead. Um, I think they're going to just be able to just kind of dominate them. Um, they just have too many options. They're literally the same as KC. They have, you know, Tunyon breakout year. Devonta Adams, one of the best in the league. I love his – he has like a crossover kind of Jimmy when he tries to beat the, the, the safety or the cornerback. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And it's just impressive. Like, it just works. And then they have, like, Aaron Jones, who's just like – Unreal. An unbelievable runner who can't even, like, go down. So, I mean, I just think it's going to be one ver- one and one. I know it's kind of cliche, but after what I've seen last week, uh, that's just that's the way I'm going. So those games are on Sunday. Um, hopefully, well, maybe we're right. Well, one of us is wrong, I guess, me and you. Brady's um, just going <laughs> to take all those numbers, throw out the window, and just be a GOAT. 
exactly. He doesn't need to worry about anything. Plus, how and man, he's forty two. He's playing next year. He looks so freaking stupid sexy still. Like I just don't know how he gets. It. But how much do you think the NFL would love a Buccaneers versus Chiefs Super Bowl in, in Tampa? Tampa. You gotta remember the Super Bowl in Tampa. in Tampa. So if that happens, oh, Goodell's probably just not even saying. <laughs> I can't wait to start hearing all the conspiracy theories too. If uh, the Bucks make it in Tampa, especially with the... hey, people people called it right away. Oh yeah. So so maybe they were right the whole time. But anyways, I think that's enough NFL for the for right now. Um, I have been you know watching a little more NBA this year because I joined a fantasy basketball. Team. <laughs> I'm not doing that well in it, but I'm having fun. So that counts. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if you. Uh, I'm not sure if you know that Harden got traded, but he. Did. Oh really? Harden. Yeah. Harden got traded. Harden wanted a trade. Yeah. I know it's uh, hard to believe, but yeah, when he went, he's been to the Nets two games, right? I think they play tonight, but uh, this is Wednesday, everyone. If anyone's listening. Uh, so the 2-0 since the trade, he has a triple-double in his first game and a double-double in his second game. And the second game was against Milwaukee. And he had the game uh, – Durant had the game-winning three with a hard assist. Like, oh. this team is going to be so good, especially when Kyrie – Well, Kyrie's supposed to be back this next game from what I've been hearing. It's uh... – which I, which, yeah, which I think yeah. is tonight. So he had some family issues. He got a lot of heat. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he had some family issues. Like well, – I heard he bought George Floyd's family a house. Like, as much as this guy's getting all the heat for the sage and the, being a flat earther and the party without the mask, I think, you know, deep down, he's still just a human being. And people need to just relax, let him play some basketball. We're going to see a big three in, in the East again. And I think if they keep it up, they're going to, they're gonna, you know, they're going to make it pretty far in the uh, in the playoffs. The man, Kyrie, just, just hates the media. He just wants to play basketball. Just let the man play. Not the only one who hated the media. Marshawn hated the media. Bill Castle hated the media. Yep. So, I mean, I'm sure it's tough to be in, you know, New York, Brooklyn, but, Close. you know, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, and can we also just talk about how uh, James Harden went from looking like Mark Henry to now looking like, uh, I don't even know, but he looks like. He looks unreal. The man. Yeah. And... The man is a genius. He came in, he right off the bat did not want to be in Houston. And you could tell. He gained weight. He was out partying at not strip clubs, and also at strip clubs. yeah, also at strip clubs though. And like you, you could see he was throwing balls at teammates in practice. He was literally doing anything he could to break up with that Houston organization, and he got what he wanted. He's playing with KD in Brooklyn now. Like yeah, they moved their entire future for him, but yeah, I think it's gonna work. They look like the new big three, and. I can see Brooklyn making it very far this year. Which is the part I hate because I want to go into the Raptors, who are in the East. So if they ever want to make it out of there again, uh, they probably have to go through them. They got to go through Milwaukee. Like, you know, I'm not sure if you watched the Raptors. Actually, question Are the Raptors big in Alberta, in the West? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of following here, uh, especially with. Uh, uh, the NBA only having the Raptors here. Like we <laughs> no longer have the Vancouver Grizzlies on the, uh, the West coast. So a lot of uh, fans here follow the, uh, the one Canadian team in the NBA. And uh, there was a huge following here too, when we uh, won in uh, 2019 and uh, a lot of people were happy. <laughs> not, not as many as the millions in the street of Toronto though. 
<laughs> I was one of those million. Um, yeah, uh, I just wanted to ask. I mean, I figured, but uh, you just never know too, too much. But anyways, the Raptors right now, they're in, I believe they're playing tonight as well. They're five and eight. I think they're three games winning, win streak so far. They're 13th place. I think they're fine. Like, I don't know. I think people are freaking out because they're used to like, you know, eight and five. Yeah. They're used to that. <laughs> they're used to. And I mean, we lost some pieces. I they moved their home. Like, I don't know. They they have back to back games with the Heat, which is tonight, and then I think um, two day, two days from now. And the Heat are in twelfth. We're in thirteenth. So if we win these games, we're we're jumping. We're gonna jump them. So that would be huge. We're you know we won three in a row. The last game they played, you know, stellar. They played uh, against Luca and the Dallas Mavericks, and, and they played a full game, four quarters. Played great. Um, I mean, the sixth and seventh and eighth team in the East are also under 500. So I mean, it's not the end of the world. So I think they're they're just going to be fine. I don't know why. I just think that they're just going to figure it out, and guys are going to have to start, you know, picking up slack for Ibaka and Gasol. Oh yeah. And it's. I mean, their field goal percentage is 44 percent, tied for 23rd in the league. There's only 30 teams. Like, obviously. If you kind of improve that, you know, somehow, uh, I think you're going to win more games. I think it's a classic slow start with just a retooled team. You know, they're they're finding their identity without Gasol and without Ibaka this year. They might feel no preseason. no preseason exactly, exactly. COVID protocols out the wazoo right now. Like it's it's a different kind of sport too. Because well, you're not you're not bubbled this time. It's uh, there's a lot of X factors to this season, but I, I think the Toronto. Raptors are going to be fine like they're they're looking like they're starting to uh, come back you'll really see it in this series against Miami I think especially with how Miami did last year making the uh, Eastern Conference like it's they're, they're a strong team and I think they'll be a good uh, benchmark for these Raptors so we'll be able to see like what kind of team we're looking at for the rest of the season yeah because I figure we'll just keep you know checking in on them obviously if they do like some major things we'll talk about it'll just keep keep kind of just making sure that they're playing better and that and they're in that playoff spot um i do want to shout out chris boucher he is playing stellar this year in a bench role uh, again but more minutes like he's he's 23 minutes a game now he played 10 last year or he played 13 so he's he's plus 10 minutes from last year he, he's scoring 16.1 points a game he was scoring six points a game last year his blocks were 1.5 now he's 2.5 his rebounds were 2.5, now he's 7. Like, you're just seeing the improvement in this guy that they, you know, that they, 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 they knew that they kind of had something there. They just had to kind of, you know, train him. <laughs> had to improve him in, in a way. Um, so, anyways, keep an eye on, out, out on him because he's playing, playing great. And I think he's the reason why, you know, they, they won five games. That's nice. It's, it's the classic uh, Toronto bench just stepping up and just being unreal. <laughs> Yeah, I think Nurse is a great coach, and I think they're fine. Um, I think they're also missing playing in Coach Bank Arena. I'm a crazy Toronto fan. Because I don't know, you know, you've heard LeBron say it. we got some of the greatest fans in, in the world. I mean, we both know it. Um, but I think that has to do with something. Like, it just has to add something. Right? It's, I think. Well, <laughs> you got to think with the energy. Like, if these guys get behind without uh, having that kind of energy, it's up to the players a lot to hype each other up because, well, we can hear the pumped in crowd noise, but uh, I highly, 
highly doubt it's affecting them that much, even if they do hear it. Yeah, but it's a different when you like you're playing the game and you see Nav Batia just kind of, you know, the super fan just pumping up the crowd, oh. making sure those guys miss the free throws. You got the Drake there sometimes. Jumping on the court. His presence is still there. He's still the Globe Ambassador. So when he's there, the games are big. Drake Knight's huge. So oh. I just think they're just missing something. But I mean, the, the season's young. Oh, yeah. But we're speculating on like <laughs> twelve games in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, hey, this is when we start. Oh, exactly. Um, but I mean, we don't have to speculate anymore. I was thinking we could move over to some MMA, some UFC, which is uh, one of your favorite sports. Thank you. And just kind of explain a little bit about you know what we saw last weekend and what we saw what we're going to do this week yeah man so uh last weekend we had a, a pretty big fight card on the uh ufc fight island in abu dhabi there was uh holloway versus uh calvin cater it was the uh, main event of the evening and holy smokes that was a fight uh holloway is just unreal man like i i don't know why this guy doesn't have a belt around his waist right now. I personally don't think he lost his last title fight against Volkanovski, but I think this last fight, he really showed like what he's got. Wait, what happened? Did he, was it unanimous? Oh, it went. What happened? So it was uh, a five round fight and uh, he just was throwing bombs the entire fight. The man's production and his cardio, he basically just assaulted Calvin Cater for five rounds. Like the the amount of significant strikes like this man threw, uh, I believe you had the numbers there. It was over four hundred, wasn't it? Yeah. So like, I just want to say that like, I'm not a big UFC guy. I know it's massive. I've always kind of like never really got into it. I saw the big fights, but man, Max Holloway is now my favorite fighter. This guy threw forty four punches. He threw seven hundred forty four, and four hundred forty five of those landed, which is a record. That he had 274 head strikes, which was a record. And then he had 117 body strikes, which, which was a record. So I, that just is, was amazing. And I just want to shout out the other guy, Calvin Qatar, because he took all that. And didn't fall. He didn't fall. The entire fight was standing. It was basically a boxing match, but you, you had a little bit more. With no yeah, with no gloves and a little bit of kickboxing in between. But uh, yeah, like... Holloway looked unreal. He paused during the last round to literally talk to Daniel Cormier and the uh, the rest of the broadcast team. Let them know he was. They were uh, let them know he is the best boxer in the UFC. Turn, throw a three punch combo that every single one hit Calvin Cater. Turn back, continue talking to them, and then turn back and dodge Calvin Cater's punch. He, I couldn't believe it, Dalton. He literally was talking to someone else, but fighting a the guy. The man looked still. like Muhammad Ali out there. <laughs> yeah, and just like the balls on him. So, like, my question was, why was he shouting? Like, what was why, why shout, shout at Dana, shout at DC? Like, why? So, a lot of uh, a lot of the things with that division right now, with that. Uh, featherweight division is uh the current champ uh alex volkanovsky uh he has a uh well he's on a two fight uh win streak for the uh, the original winning of the belt and then the first defense against uh max holloway well the uh the first fight it was yeah it was close but uh 
it looked like Volkanovski may have had the advantage and sure we'll give it. But to the second one, it was, uh, it looked like Holloway's fight. I think he won that fight three rounds to two. And uh, it, it was very controversial because the uh, UFC has a rule where if you lose two fights in a row, you slide back down the mountain usually. Like you're going back, you're working your way up, going on a fight streak, uh, beating young talent, maybe even getting a gatekeeper role sometimes. And uh, you really have to work your way back up. But uh, Holloway's really proved by beating up Calvin Cater and beating up such a, uh, a high-ranking opponent with such an exuberance that uh, he's probably going to be getting the winner of uh, Volkanovski versus Ortega on uh, March 27th. You've got... Uh, okay, because I was going to ask you, like, who does he fight next? Like, I want to watch him fight again. Like, that, that, was, that was amazing. He's featherweight. Yeah, featherweight. Though? He's uh, the 145, former uh, belt winner. And uh, he was the guy who really took that division uh, over after Conor McGregor moved up to lightweight and uh, left the uh, featherweight belt behind. So he, uh, he really pumped the gas on that uh, division, beating Jose Aldo twice decisively. Uh, beating a up-and-comer, Brian Ortega, who looked like he was going to be the next big thing, who uh, is now looking like the next big thing again. So I think this Volkanovski-Ortega fight is really going to be telling of this division. Um, I think Ortega has really worked on his uh, mental game, and I think he's worked on his, uh, his boxing. And just overall, his last fight that he had in the octagon, Ortega just looked like he was something else. So I think... Uh, if he gives Volkanovski a run for his money, you might get uh, Holloway versus Ortega 2 after that fight. If not, maybe we finally get Volkanovski Holloway 3. But uh, that be a title fight. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that would that would yeah. be that would be your title fight. That would be really uh, okay. basically hashing out the rest of that division and uh, <laughs> this might be Volkanovski Holloway might be the the new big uh, rivalry in that division that goes for the next few years back and forth you never know both guys are very dominant uh Volkanovski only has one loss on his record right now and uh like he's he is a dominant fighter he's two? just I, I think Holloway's in a league of his own I think so too after I watched that <laughs> but uh was there any any other crazy fights in uh Fight Island 7 you want to chat about or do you want to go straight to uh into uh, Saturday's I actually, uh, just to touch briefly on Fight Island 7, I uh, was watching that uh, today briefly and uh, tuned in for the main event, uh, Chizea versus uh, Neil Magny, and uh, it wasn't even close. I thought it was going to be a much closer fight. I thought it was really going to start hashing out the welterweight division a little bit more. Neil Magny looked good in his last few fights, but uh, Chizea took him to the ground and showed why he is such a good fighter on the ground. He just dominated him for five rounds and you could see it by the end of the fight Magni had known he lost and uh then he called out Kobe Covington so we might be getting Chizea versus Covington in the future I, I would love to see that it would uh it would make for uh, a little bit more excitement in that welterweight division that's kind of getting held up by Usman and Burns just not fighting because of COVID <laughs> Well, man, you're getting me all pumped up now for UFC. But I love, I love it. Fighters can just call out people, and then Dana can just be like, "All right, we're gonna, oh. guys are gonna fight." Like, oh yeah, crazy. You want to do what the fans want too, right? Like, yeah, it's a it's a mixture of the rankings and uh, call outs and marketing yourself because you get a lot of the guys that'll just run their mouth, and uh, you got to back it up because you've got the guys that'll jump in too early and they'll get knocked way back down 
disappear for a year, few years and come back. And then you've got your guys like uh, Conor McGregor, who's fighting uh, this weekend, who uh, seem to be able to back it up almost every time, except uh, <laughs> except against Khabib. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually super excited for this one. Obviously, it's McGregor. He's he's more than just a fighter, right? He's he's worldwide. Everyone knows who he is. Um, it's his first fight since the last fight where he won in like 40 seconds. Yeah, in a different division. So uh, Conor McGregor's coming back after uh, uh, nearly nearly a year off. It's It's been a while since that, that last fight against uh, Cowboy Cerrone where he, well, basically knocked him out with his shoulder in about 40 seconds. And uh, yeah, it, he's looking good. He's, uh, well, he's one of the best punchers and one of the best boxers in the game. He actually... Uh, today called out uh, Max Holloway about <laughs> calling himself the best boxer. So maybe we'll get a Holloway McGregor rematch in the, the future. But uh, first things first, this Saturday, we've got uh, McGregor, the fourth ranked uh, lightweight in the world right now versus Dustin Poirier, uh, who's number two. Uh, Poirier's last big fight was uh, against Dan Hooker, which he won. But before that was his, uh, Fight versus Khabib. He's coming, winning three of his last four major belt, uh, major fights. Uh, he didn't beat Khabib. Obviously, Khabib. Yeah, Khabib. Khabib still hasn't lost. Khabib right now is just uh, okay. waiting out, seeing what's going to happen. Because you've got uh, Michael Chandler and uh, Dan Hooker on that undercard as well in the uh, the same division. So you've got four major fighters. Booker's number six, and uh, Michael Chandler's the uh, currently unranked former Bellator lightweight champion, uh, Bellator being one of the rival promotions to the UFC. And uh, he was unreal in Bellator, honestly, until he recently uh, lost his belt in a uh, tournament to uh, Patricio Pitbull Freire and uh, making Pitbull the champ champ. <laughs> Bellator has those two. Wait, wait, wait. Pitbull? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit different, but uh, this man has a huge Pitbull tattoo on his back. Like, the man is all in, but uh, I would have to say he's... This is going to be another fight on... No, the, the, the Hooker versus uh, Chandler fight. The the Chandler versus uh, mm-hmm. Pitbull fight is uh, from the past. That was one of his last, one of his okay. last okay. major fights before uh, Chandler left Bellator and... Uh, signed what i'm assuming is a lucrative contact contract with the ufc so so i just want to go back to the mcgregor fight this is mcgregor poirier too so they, they fought already. yeah yeah they uh fought early in their careers actually and uh mcgregor's quite confident against uh dustin poirier because that fight uh ended in the first round it was a ko slash tko the the fight kind of started mcgregor did what he did hit uh poirier as hard as he can and it was it was over quick. Uh, this Dustin Poirier, though, I think looks a lot uh, stronger, a lot uh, better. Oh, I did see that, though, Dalton. He won. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he oh, yeah, it was him, right? quite short. But I did a little research on Poirier, and, like, he's beat Holloway. He's beat Justin Gaethje. Like, those are some pretty big fighters, right? Like, Oh, yeah, Poirier, Poirier is no slouch either. And that's uh, – he seems to be one of the most uh, – uh, under-respected uh, guys in the uh, the UFC because, uh, like, it took him, well, quite a while to even get a title shot. Uh, he won his interim belt, 
And uh, even then, like the man was knocking off opponents left, right and center. I actually watched him in uh, Calgary at one point take on the uh, former uh, lightweight champion, Eddie Alvarez, who uh, McGregor had beat in his uh, his second fight uh, against Alvarez. It was uh, Poirier Alvarez, too. And uh, yeah, the man's the man's a fighter like he he can go. He can take a punch like I think he looks a lot better than the Poirier that got knocked out by McGregor in the first round. But uh, I don't know, man. McGregor, McGregor's something special. Who's your, who's your, who's your money on? Like straight up. Straight up. I, I got to take McGregor. I don't think you can bet against McGregor in this kind of fight. Uh, his punching power. He's just. He, he's unreal. I just. Hundred percent agree. I mean, like it's McGregor, but I think he's. I don't know. I just feel like he's just like fired up. And it's gonna be yeah. A good fight. Bring in, bring uh, that's what money. I'm hoping, and it's it's gonna really tell what's gonna happen with this division later. Because yeah, if you, if one of McGregor or Poirier impresses Khabib, maybe you get that fight next. Maybe Khabib decides to stay in retirement. <laughs> maybe he, and I hope, decides to fight GSP. I mean, like it, there's so much in that uh, division that's just been held up. So it's nice to have such a big card right now. Uh, I think it'll be a really high selling one for the the UFC. I don't think it's gonna beat their pay-per-view buy record, but uh, I think it's going to do quite well. And I, I think it's going to be a really well-watched card. And I think you're going to get a lot of these guys like proving what this division has to show. And like, you've even got your number one contender, Justin Gaethje and uh, Charles Oliveira, your number three contender. Uh, they're rumored for an upcoming fight in this lightweight division. Like there's so many strong guys that, you want them all to fight each other and essentially figure out a tier system, which I guess the rankings is for, but then you've got guys like McGregor that just seem to retire, unretire, and then immediately get a title shot. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think like two, five, seven is really going to show what these guys have to offer. And I think you're really going to see the future of the lightweight division right here, right now. Like we're going to, we're going to finally get this roadblock settled and we're going to see, see where we go from here. Good. The fans are going to love it. I'm excited to talk about it next week because we'll do oh. a little recap. So we'll see if McGregor actually wins. Got any other uh, fight, fighting news for us? Um, yeah, we've got a uh, another big uh, fight announcement that uh, they're saying for March 27th. It's going to be uh, Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou too. Um, <laughs> so Stipe Miocic is the current heavyweight champion I think he is the greatest heavyweight of all time he has the most heavyweight title defenses for uh, a UFC fighter and uh, yeah the the man's a wrestler he's also a part-time uh, firefighter so this man fights fires and then gets in the octagon faces the baddest man on the planet and comes out on top like Stipe Miocic is oh, oh man I, I love that guy so he's facing Francis Ngannou, who is one of the scariest guys I've ever seen in the octagon. Like, the punching power of Francis Ngannou has been compared to getting hit by a car. I you oh, no, no, no. Like, the, the man, uh, he had a fight uh, back in the day uh, against um, Alistair Overeem not too long ago when he was... Uh, getting uh working his way up in the the heavyweight division and uh you watch this guy's punching power he catches him early with a, an upper uppercut 
and you watch the man's soul leave his body. Like, Overeem is knocked out before he hits the ground. Toes curling, biting his lip. It's done. And if you get hit with one of those punches, like, that's that's it. But uh, the first time Stipe faced uh, Francis Ngannou, he wrestled him the entire fight, and he stayed on top of him. He didn't give him his distance, and he didn't let him hit him. So I'm going to be really interested to see how uh, Ngani is going to take that the next time they fight because uh, he was not a good wrestler early on. He was one of the fighters that really worked with his boxing and just how hard he could hit someone. But I think if he's able to work wrestling into his game or at least some kind of takedown or wrestling defense, he will definitely have a shot at the belt versus uh, Stipe Miocic because – the man is, like I said, he's he's scary to watch in the octagon because one punch and it just shuts the lights off for some of the biggest men in the UFC. What's we got March on 27th on that. So that's going to be on the same card as Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega. So, yeah. And uh, rumor is uh, with John Jones moving up to heavyweight, they think he's going to fight the winner of... Uh, Stipe Miocic and uh, Francis Ngannou. After that happens, I think uh, John Jones is going to get the chance to face them at heavyweight for his uh, first fight and see. John, John oh, yeah. Jones oh, yeah. He uh, abdicated the uh, light heavyweight belt and decided to move up to heavyweight. He's been uh, posting all over Instagram looking thick, and he's he's heavyweight weight now, so it'll be interesting to see what he looks like against uh, some of these bigger men. Like I know he's dominated the like. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. How, how heavyweight makes, you how actually have a max weight of 265. So yeah. <laughs> so, Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be quite interesting. And yeah, you've, uh, I think John Jones is really going to uh, try this, this heavyweight, uh, gimmick out i think he's going to try to challenge for the belt right off the bat and if he wins it or not i can see him moving down weight after to uh, fight the winner of the uh, recently light heavyweight and or recently announced uh, light heavyweight uh, title fight that's going to be happening later this year of uh, israel adesanya versus uh, jan blakovitz where you're going to be getting uh, adesanya trying to uh, move up and get champ champ status at uh, light heavyweight while still being the middleweight champion. And uh, yeah, I could see John Jones and him have been feuding quite a bit on Twitter. I could see John Jones taking the heavyweight title and uh, then moving back down, seeing if he can get his light heavyweight title back, get that champ champ status and see if he can get his greatest of all time, because he seemed pretty offended by uh, Khabib announcing that he was the greatest pound for pound fighter. Seize them, but yeah, two belts we might uh, might end that story. It seems to be the new thing to do, (laughs) other than Khabib's uh, undefeated streak. It seems to be the way you solidify yourself now is uh, you either move up weight or down weight and win uh, the other belt. And uh... aren't these guys lucky? eh? just retire and come back when they want. I retire, my (laughs) company. Exactly. Yeah, most guys are done when they retire, but it seems UFC fighters until they can't fight anymore we'll we'll come back if if the price is right well as much as i do love talking about two grown men punching each other in the face i also enjoy grown men 
hitting balls uh, with baseball bats uh, 400 yards. So I was wondering if you want to chat a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can talk some Jays. Because, I mean, that's pretty much what I want to talk about. I mean, you know, if nothing's too too crazy having the MLB, but let's say they're going to be starting on uh, on schedule this year. But oh. the Jays, man, they lose out on LeMayhew. He signs in New York back for six-year, $90 million. So I, I don't know the actual contract, but I, when I did the math, it was about 15, 15 million a year. The Jays offered him four years, 78 mil, which is 19.5 a year. So I was kind of surprised that he kind of went to the Yankees. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, he played there and they're awesome. They're, they're a wagon. But I mean, I just think sometimes I thought the money would, would make these guys, you know, change their mind. Yeah. Well, you see the, the Yankees, their, their payroll is one of the highest in the MLB. And uh, it seems, especially with the guys they already have on their team. They, they seem to, to get it done with uh, re-signing them. <laughs> I like to say that uh, the Yankees' next best, best signing is going to be your best player. Yeah, and it's true. And, like, on top of that, the Jays lose out on, like, mm-hmm. Francisco Lindor, right? The, he went to the Indians. The Mets wanted uh, – the Mets wanted older prospects, and the Jays were going to give them younger prospects that take, you know, longer to, to develop. And then they also missed out on Liam Hendricks, who used to be a J, but he signed like for $54 million four years. And like, I think that's kind of overpriced. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad they didn't sign him. But then we got some really good news and spring is in the air because George Springer. Oh, that I'm so exciting about, so excited about this signing. Like actually seeing someone decide, you know what? Let's go to Toronto. Let's take our talents to Toronto. Like we had the, the huge 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 Ryu signing last year and like being able to bring in an outfielder like George Springer like it's nice that we're actually being able to attract talent to Toronto and like guys are buying in they love the young prospects here we've got some great talent and like yeah like you said like hopefully we see this team go far it would, it would be nice to uh, see everything come together this year um, the- I don't care I don't really care if they go far I want them to start just developing I think there's a core here that that can be here for a while. I mean, the MLB had like future baseball predictions and the Jays made the world series, but lost to the Braves in 2025. Hey, if they make the world series in 2025, I'll be cheering for them. Pumped. Those guys will still be, those guys will be like 25, 26, like Pichette and, and, and Vlad and Vizio. So I still think, you know, we have so much time. I'm glad some guys are coming here. I don't know if they're playing in Toronto this year. So that might, you know, kind of, suck to get some free agents because you're not really saying like come to the, one of the best cities in the world actually you're playing in Buffalo which is not one of the best cities in the world um, and that's just <laughs> um, so I'm just excited yeah I'm, just, I'm excited they spent money um, six years I think 150 mm-hmm. million it's a lot but you're getting a guy with a career 270 average which is amazing he has a ring with an asterisk <laughs> um, so he has to realize that we don't cheat yeah. in Toronto but no garbage can banging here. There and he'll just be, yeah, and no Apple watches and and all that. So I think he'll be perfect in the center field. I mean, hey, we had Kevin Pilar for years, and the fans loved him just because he caught in a ball, and they didn't watch that. Hey, man, he was out. Superman in the outfield. It didn't matter how well he was at bat. Yeah, it didn't matter the part where you get you know <laughs> runs to win games. Look, he can catch oh, another pop fly catch. Um, but I also. 
Yeah, I just think that some things are coming up for the Jays. I mean, they missed out on some guys. They got their guy. They might be getting Brantley. I hear he might be going back to the Astros, which kind of sucks. Uh, he's really good friends with Springer, and they're from the same, like, agency. So, I mean, it's not 100%, but it was – they said – they came out today that the Jays got him, and then they're like, oh, no, sorry, that's not true. Like, oh, someone jumped the gun there. Um but, I mean, I was looking at some other stuff about the Jays. They signed a 16-year-old international player. They're paying him $2 million, which is crazy. Um, he's the 24th prospect on the international list, oh, wow. which is amazing. And I'm, kind of, I'm excited to see him in 10 years because um, I have no clue what he's going to call him. I mean, 16 years old, you never know. Um, I also kind of glad that they settled with Teoscar Hernandez. I think it'll be great in the outfield with um, – uh, with Springer, which he needs to work on his defense a little bit. But, I mean, they got – they you know, they had him last year. I think he was fine. They didn't even have to go to arbitration. They just signed him. And, I mean, you know, just just good little things that they're doing. Like, they can't – you can't just change so much all – you don't have all the money in the world like the Dodgers or the Yankees to, to do so much. But they do it what they can with what they got. And uh, they also have Nate Pearson, who's the number 14th prospect and the number one, pitcher, which is amazing to see because we need some pitching and he played well last year. He's young. So see if he has another great year this year with, uh, with Ryu and and the rest of the boys. Yeah. I'm hoping for big things in Toronto. And uh, just to uh, clarify as well, uh, we are, Blue Jays fans over here on the West Coast too. Uh, we do like our uh, Canadian baseball teams. <laughs> I actually, I actually already knew that because that West Coast takeover against Seattle is like one of the coolest things that the West fans do. Is just go to Seattle. Just all Blue Jays. All Blue Jays. It's not even a home. Not even a home game. So that's amazing to see. I want to be a part of it, but uh, you know, I ended up moving back home. So, so maybe next time. I'm not even sure we can watch some baseball this year. I love going to the, the Rogers right. Center Sky Dome and watching some games. Um, I guess that's pretty much it. I mean, once you know things get heated up, we'll start to talk a little more baseball, but mostly Jays. But I think now I want to just say that you know we've got to talk about a little soccer. You know, soccer is the sport that we both love. Uh, I suck at it, but I do love watching it. It's a little slow and. and too many falls for me but i love watching it and wayne rooney retired and like wayne rooney was kind of one of the best players when i was growing up watching him i saw him when he played for dc and just like you know kudos to him and his, and his yeah career. wayne rooney was quite the exceptional player like uh capping with england and then uh well starting with everton and then eventually moving over to manchester united and then uh from there it, he was quite the exceptional player so it's uh it's weird seeing him finally retire because he was well forever since I've been watching soccer. It was Rooney, Gerard, and Lampard forever, and then they slowly retired yeah, one exactly. at a time. Um, yeah, man, Wayne Rooney scored one of the greatest goals. Uh, it was the Derby versus Manchester City. I think it was tied in like the 90th minute, and he bicycle kicked it top corner, like amazing. And then I remember when he was on DC, he didn't score the goal, but it was like 90 minutes again. He chases the ball down, crosses it from half, and the guy scores and they win the game. Like, he he did it everywhere he went. And it's funny, so he was playing on DC, which is in the MLS. And I want to talk about another MLS team that, you know, decided to do a rebrand. 
I don't know why, but the Montreal Impact has, are, is now called the Club de Foot Montreal or CF Montreal. Um, it sucks. That name. There was no reason to rebrand. The Impact was fine. Do you know? I literally like. They're called the Impact because he wanted soccer to make an impact in Montreal. Uh, the, I think the first owner. Now the new owner was like, uh, "I'm inspired by the people. That's why I changed it." Well. I don't know if you know this, but the fans are pissed and they're petitioning. And so the same thing kind of happened last year in Chicago. Chicago Fire changed their logo and the fans hated it so much that they literally just said, okay, and they and they changed it again. So they took the fans kind of like pissed off for the whole year and, and they, they tried to like make them happy. So I don't know how long Club Defeat or Foot is going to last. Um, they also changed kind of like their logo. And it looks like the Greendale school flag from Community. And that also looks like an anus. So, I mean, if anyone wants to just Google it, um, not anus, Google uh, Club to Foot Montreal logo, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I don't even want to talk about it too much anymore. I mean, it's just, it just, they didn't need to reband. And you could have, like, thought of something. There's so much rich history in Montreal, and there's so much that's gone. Like, they they had so many choices. Hey, club defeat was like <laughs> yeah. They're like ah, let's right? just translate it to French and we're good. I honestly want to just bring it up because it's just funny to say and it's funny to make fun of Impact. I'm a huge TFC fan. I've been a fan since '07. Used to have season tickets uh, before my father said they weren't good enough, and then they ended up winning. Um, so <laughs> I guess he was wrong. But I guess moving on, there's little boxing news. I mean, nothing too crazy, but. Apparently, Fury and Joshua are... Yeah, I actually uh, was reading a little bit into this. Uh, Eddie Hearn, the promoter, was uh, talking quite a bit about this. And uh, yeah, they're they're figuring out what they want to do with that fight. Like, it sounds like both guys are on board with the rematch clause. So not only are we going to get Joshua Fury 1, but that would also give us Joshua Fury 2. And uh, yeah, right now they're they're looking for a venue and a date and they're figuring out their broadcasting rights actually because uh joshua has uh signed with uh DAZN in the uh uk or sorry DAZN in the usa and sky sports in the usa or uh, in the uk for all of his fights whereas you've got uh tyson fury who is with uh espn in the usa but uh, BT Sports in the United Kingdom. So this is quite huge because both guys are quite big draws and you don't usually get fights promoted on four different networks. Like this will be something that hasn't really been done since you've gotten uh, Mike Tyson versus Lennox Lennox Lewis and you've got uh, the uh, Pacquiao versus Mayweather fight, which was actually uh, broadcast on uh, four different uh, sports networks rather than just uh, one or two. So it's quite the big fight. Um, they're talking right now for venues. The front runner is Saudi Arabia because money. But they, they yep, are they said uh, May twenty twenty one. So that's that's good. Yeah. So I'm I'm pumped for that. Um, I'm I love boxing. I do, I think I like it more than MMA. I'm not sure why. Um, probably because maybe I could box. I don't think I could ever do martial arts, mixed martial arts. 
Um, but I don't even know who to pick. So I'm going to definitely do some research in the meantime, but I think I'm going to pick a British boxer. <laughs> I think a British boxer will definitely win this fight. I think, I think we can, we can guarantee that one. Um, but I'm excited to like talk about it, you know, going into the fight and like when that actually happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess that, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. Like, I, I personally I like Tyson more. Fury for it, so, but uh, I'm a big Tyson Fury guy. I, I just think he's quite the boxer. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, Anthony Joshua really showed that uh, his second fight against Ruiz, obviously he, he proved that why he is the champ right now. But uh, his first fight against Ruiz where Ruiz, even if he did catch him with a lucky punch, he, he beat him. He beat him. He won his belts. And uh, Tyson Fury still has that almighty zero beside his name for losses so i i still think the train keeps rolling i think tyson fury is going to be holding all the belts at the end of this wow it's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun to watch uh we got no. some uh, we got some fights that's good uh, i'm glad to uh start watching it a little more i'm gonna start learning a little bit too um enough of boxing though i think we should talk about the greatest sport on earth and uh, oh Hockey. I was waiting to get to this, <laughs> and I don't even know where to. I know, and dude, it's funny. We're at, we're at an hour. Yeah, I feel like we talked for two minutes. We're finally at hockey. We're finally at hockey, and I'm gonna let you pick. Like, where uh, do you start? Because we can go anywhere. I know it's only been a week, but you gotta remember me and Dalton, or Dalton and I. Some grammar right there. Um, that's this is our sport. Like, we grew up watching it, played it, worked in it, and now we're gonna start. You know nitpicking it a little bit or just sharing our thoughts so first thing i want to talk about just happened today brand new starting today's game actually uh least versus others we've got those new pucks those new strat stat tracking pucks they're gone the players didn't like how they felt they uh decided that uh they they didn't like the bounces they were getting and uh yeah they uh nhl has taken them out they're going back to the uh good old basic rubber pucks i've heard those are pretty good and, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to go with that, take the uh, stat pucks back to the drawing board and uh, really go from there, see if they can bring them back, see how the players like it. But I'm really glad they're listening to the players this year and uh, listening. Yeah. Me too. I mean, they're going to figure it out, but if it's not working, then don't just try it 100 times. Don't beat a dead horse, right? And, like, it's funny, like, Players are still scoring, obviously, but I think it feels different to them. And they practice with regular pucks and not... Mm-hmm. Well, know, the track the pucks track are one. so expensive. And I, I think especially because uh, these tracking pucks are basically something that's in the NHL to add these stats, to critique players even more that, uh, yeah, you've you got to be listening to the players because if it's something that's making their game worse and they're going to be the ones that have to face the media at the end of the day, definitely, definitely you should be listening to them and... Uh, upgrading the game or downgrading the game accordingly. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we live in now, you know, hockey world analytics and they're going to try to find as much as they can to nitpick and, you know, just this guy's good with the puck here. And I don't even know what they were even tracking to too much. I know they're tracking speed for sure. Um, but I'm just glad that, uh, I'm glad it didn't make a huge difference, but I'm glad they also said, okay, we're going to try again. You guys go back to your regular puck. So hopefully we see Yeah, especially in a, in a year with so much uncertainty, it's nice that they, they were really on a united front on this. 
Uh, so I guess my question to you is, now that you mentioned Oilers, Leafs, and they're playing right now, it's funny. I mean, we both work for the Oilers. You're an Oilers fan, diehard. I'm a Leaf diehard. Well, I was. You know, I took a year off, but but I'm back for now. Um, but uh, what do you think about the what do you think about the two teams so far? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think. Well, <laughs> Leafs are three and one. Oilers are one and three. It, it seems there's a, a little bit of shakiness to start for uh, for the Oilers to start the season. But uh, you know, there was no preseason, and uh, you're kind of finding your legs, getting used to it, getting used to once again playing in front of no fans. It's it's a different atmosphere and such. And I think it's a team with a lot of promise. Like once we get uh, everything clicking and uh, especially against this uh, North division that uh, seems to be a lot of run and gun hockey, I think they can do it with the best of them. They just got to have that confidence and have that swagger about them. I agree. I mean, like last year was awesome. They started what four and oh, now they're one and three. So like, it's a little different, but like, again, just like the Raptors, like it's not, it's not over, you know, like there's what 50, like two more games, 51 more games left. Like, so obviously they can pick it around. They didn't have any preseason. They haven't played since August. So like, I think all these things add into kind of consideration. Um, I thought, I mean, oh, David yeah. showed it the second night, you know, when he, when he's, when he's on his mm-hmm. game, you're going to win games. Yeah. You also got, you got to be able to play uh, behind though too. Like uh, that's, that's another thing. Like we talked with fans and such, it's, it's been uh well known that uh, especially in the playoffs when Oilers fans get out and get cheering, it uh, pumps some energy into that arena and yeah, playing in front of no fans, you got to make sure if you, you get down a goal or two to start the game, you, you got to keep skating. You got to keep trying. You got to keep playing. Like it's uh, yeah, it's, it's on the guys to, to play their best hockey and to hype each other up and to uh, make sure that uh, yeah, they're, they're coming out their best this season. Uh, if we want to switch over to the Leafs, I, I think they've, they've had a great start to the season. They've looked strong. Um, three and one, like you, you can't really complain about that. The one loss being in a shootout, or sorry, uh, no, not even. That was uh, the uh, overtime win against Montreal that I'm thinking of. Yeah, they no, they um, they lost. They lost the first game. They played back. Ah, the you're Ottawa. The Ottawa. You're not big, Matt. Uh, against Ottawa, yeah, I know you're not a big Matt Murray guy, but. The two games I watched against the Leafs, like he he played a great, and if he keeps that up, they're not they're they're. I don't think they're gonna be at the top, but there's not gonna be like laughing stock like yeah. a free win, right? So I think they added a lot, and you know, I mean the Leafs beat well, especially. Night. To me, to me, it's just early. I mean, the Leafs top lines are producing, which is nice to see because their goaltending has been kind of mediocre. Uh, their power play has been great. One one power play goal per game every game they played. And, I mean, I'm nitpicking when I think the zone entries and exits need all work, but, like... Yeah, games, <laughs> four games in on no preseason. They're first... They're first... Yeah, they're first, they're first in the North. I think they're pretty much first in the NHL because they played four games. So, I mean, like, man, Leafs fans, chillax, enjoy this, plan the parade, uh, call it safely. <laughs> um, but, I mean... We're probably going to get into more Leafs Oilers later on. I mean, obviously, you know, just those are our teams, so we're going to talk about them. Um, and I'm sure most of the people listening, if anyone's listening, other than my mom, um, you know, they're they're going to enjoy it too. Um, other stuff has kind of happened in in the league 
since last week. Did you see Voracek? Oh, he let him have it. But, uh, yeah, that's what you're starting to get a lot more of these players speaking out to uh, the media and such, too. Like, I, I understand they're they're in the, the fishbowl and they're in the uh, public eye and stuff, but uh, you still got to respect these guys and, like, respect what they do. Like, it, it seemed that the uh, Philadelphia media, especially the, uh, the one uh, – yeah, yeah. It goes both ways, though. Because, like, he's he's literally talking yeah. like Celeste. He's talking shit. And Voracek's like, I don't need to, like, I don't need to take this. I can call you a weasel. He called him a weasel, and he said, it's not even funny, and that you fucking write shit. And, like, man, that's <laughs> Konechny was dying beside me. And I just thought, like, okay, well, you know, I kind of see it. Like, this guy's kind of saying some shit like he he basically alleged that Voracek laughed at who's the coach of oh Lions? currently oh uh... no Alain Vignon right no Alain Vignon sorry the Rangers old coach uh, and Canucks uh, anyways he laughed the uh, JV uh, JV uh, Voracek laughed at the coach when he called him out last year for being like uninspired and, like, it, I guess it didn't happen, and then he was pissed. And he kind of just said the same thing. You heard, like, other guys like Matthews, you know, call out, you know, um, I forgot that, uh, Wahoo's name, but whatever. And it just happens. I mean, I kind of get you, too. Like, I don't know, maybe there's a nice way of doing it. Maybe don't answer Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fine balance. Like, obviously, you, you want to be having that respect back and forth, but it's nice to have the players speak up for themselves a little bit, too, because, uh, yeah, it's it's a league where not only do you have to uh, market your team, but you have to market yourself, right, as a player, and uh, especially if you've got guys always on you and uh, not giving you credit for what you do do and just getting on you every time things are bad, right, because that's, that's what makes a story. So, yeah, I, I think it's good that the, the, the players are speaking up, but uh, you got to be doing it in a constructive way at the end of the day. Like uh, the, these media guys and these players, they, they talk all the time. They have those relationships, but uh, <laughs> you just sometimes get to see it play out on TV. Um, speaking of guys that, you know, are standing up for themselves, we have two that actually happened last week. We had Spezza, who basically said, don't pick me or I'm retiring. And if someone picked him, they would have just had to like um, cancel, terminate the contract and he could have just signed back for the Leafs. So that's the player who said, I'm, I've played in the league for this long. I want to finish my time with this uh, team. I know it's a loophole. I don't, I'm a Leaf fan. So I mean, it's a little biased, but what did you think of the whole kind of thing? I'm not going to, I thought it was interesting, especially with the, the way the taxi squads work this year, where you can kind of send guys down, bring them up. It's uh, it's an interesting loophole because, yeah, if, if someone had picked them and you saw that with the uh, Forsberg situation in uh, Edmonton where uh, they tried to send Forsberg down, he got picked up by Carolina. Carolina tried to send him down. He got picked up by Winnipeg while Edmonton was trying to pick him up. Like, yeah, you've got that situation where as uh, teams need guys, they will be picking up guys on waivers all the time. And, uh, yeah, like it's <laughs> – it's, Kind of a, a bit of a, like you said, it's, it's a big loophole for Spezza, but uh, the man stuck up for himself and uh, he got what he wanted. Yep. Hey, nobody yep. claimed him, so obviously it worked. 
But Aaron Dell got claimed. Uh, the Leafs also put him on waivers, and, and the Devils signed them. And I thought it was smart. They also got Eric Comrie from Winnipeg as well. And basically, they're just looking for backup goaltenders. They lost Crawford, and last year they had, uh, I think their backups played 25 games, and they were 6-14 and 2. And that, those go- those goalies were Schneider and Domingue. So they're both not on the team. So maybe they have someone else to, you know, you know, bring those numbers around because, like, they could have probably obviously done better if they didn't. Well, that's Mackenzie Blackwood. Mackenzie Blackwood on uh, New Jersey now is looking like quite the young goaltender and uh, probably the goalie of the future for that organization. The first few games in, he's been quite impressive for just uh, bringing New Jersey well, quite a few more wins. Yeah, and like they're not gonna they're not gonna be like Stanley Cup contenders, but. You know, they're a rebuilding team, and this is kind of how you yep. do it. You just add pieces to help you win some games, bring some confidence to your guys. So if Dell doesn't play well, you play Comrie. You still have Wedg- Wedgwood in the AHL. So, like, you still have some guys now. I was kind of – I guess New Jersey picked them up, so the Oilers couldn't, right? And you thought that Dell could have, you know, been a great – Yeah, I thought they could have uh, brought him in. Uh, it's tough with the Oilers right now because of where they finished uh, last season. It's uh... – really put them kind of behind the eight ball for waiver pickups right now, because they had such a strong start to the season, having uh, a weaker start to this season, it, it makes it tough to uh, get those waiver claims and such like, uh, like a player like Aaron Dell, especially with uh, Mike Smith going on to the uh, long-term injury reserve right now. It, it would have been nice to have that, uh, that backup goalie presence, but uh, you never know, still a lot of the season left and uh, there still is time to make a move, still time to bring in another guy. But uh, for now, it looks like uh, Koskinen is going to be playing most of the, uh, the lion's share for the Oilers right now. Oh, it's not the worst thing. I mean, just maybe need some, some help here and there. I mean, you never know what other team is going to drop a goalie. It'd be the same thing, you know, move a guy because of cap reasons. And then they still have the opportunity of, you know, trading for a number one, oh. if that's what they're looking for. I mean, Koskinen's a one and a half. I, I, you know, I don't call, I don't think he's a backup. I think he's a backup on most teams. But I watched him a lot last year, and I was impressed with what I saw. Thought he battles. Thought he plays, you know, pretty well. And sometimes he doesn't have his games. But I mean, it's early in the season, and, and I think he. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of time too, especially with the. Uh the looming expansion draft, you're going to have a lot of these teams that currently have two starters, <coughs> Vegas, <coughs> that are going to, <laughs> that are going to be uh, wanting to, to move one of them before the, uh, the start of the next season. I bet this is going to be a lot of uh, trade deadline goalie shuffles. So I'm not too worried. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. You get uh, a lot of those teams that they either got to choose if they're going to go for it with two goalies and uh, hopefully move one after, or if, if, if it's already done, if they're going to uh, try to get as many assets as they can before the expansion draft, preferably ones they don't have to protect. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. I I think, uh, I think Holland is, uh, Doing a great job with the organization, and I, I think uh, we just got to trust the process. And he's, he's a great guy. He's a nice guy. I like nice people. I like people who treat everyone with respect. And I'm sure most of them do, but he did it to me firsthand, <laughs> so I can at least say it. Um, I want to talk about one more player that got to kind of stand up for himself. 
and then I want to talk about oh, your favorite player. And we'll kind of we'll let we'll let some people figure that out. Um, but I'm oh. talking about Keith Yandel, song father. This guy, they they say that he was going to be a healthy scratch. It was on NHL. NHL put it out that he was going to be a healthy scratch and lose his uh, Iron Man streak of 100 or 800 yeah. games, 861 games, right? And you know he ends up playing. He ends up scoring his 100th goal. He ends up being one of the stars. Like. He kind of just said to the, the owner. And, and he scored in the last now, two games two, straight. Right? So since they threatened to scratch him, he scored every game. So, like, I, I don't understand. I know they were saying apparently he wasn't being a good teammate and wasn't being a good leader. But, I mean, that's got to be something you, you got to talk to him, especially if it's something that you noticed from last season. Talk to him in between seasons. Don't threaten a streak like that. Like, especially uh, with the players. They, they had to lobby to get him to play that game. And scoring both games and with the points that Yandel's put up on the power play in the past, I, I do not understand that situation in Florida right now. I understand it when I did a little research. They basically are saying to him that they're, they're, they know he's good offensively. They don't think he's good defensively. And they want to move him. He doesn't want to move. He has a no-move clause. He has three years left at $6.35 million. I think that's why they want to move him. I'm not sure why in their head. I mean, he had 45 points last year. He's on their power play. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, is he really? Like, you're telling me that you have, what, six, seven guys playing D on your team, right? You're telling me he's the eighth best one? Absolutely. Like, that's just not true. Um. I know they got some new people there, right? And that's kind of another thing, right? They're trying to, you know, I don't want you on my team. I'm the new guy. I don't want you on my team. I want to build it this way. Yeah. I want my team, right? And I think that's the reason. But, I mean, I guess keep him playing because, like, I don't really know if he's going to move. And three years at 6.35, I don't think a lot of teams can From what what it was sounding, uh, (laughs) he was only really – willing or wanting to move to Boston, which uh, Boston's got a little bit of cap space right now. Maybe they could work something out. Uh, they recently lost Tory Krug, so it would really make sense for them to uh, bring in Yandel as that power play uh, presence. Well, especially Krug and Chara in this offseason, both leaving. I know Chara not as much as Krug offensively, but uh, still, that's that's a big hit to their defense. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, by the end of this season, if uh, Florida sours on Yandel once again, if you see him moving to Boston eventually. I could see that. I think all the yeah. <laughs> guys are going to cream. Um, if, you know, are going to love, uh, love that. I think they've mentioned it too, right? Like they're friends with him and they're Boston guys. So it would just a hundred percent work. So, Hey, maybe, the, maybe we'll see a move. Maybe you right? called it, which would be pretty, pretty sick. To see, I just don't want to see him lose his his streak. I just don't want to see him lose his streak. Like the guys played 867 games in a row. Like that means he yeah, comes and to I work think... and doesn't miss work. Like that's it's and insane. Yeah, it's exactly. Like he has a chance to eventually get up to the the number one for a games played streak. Like guys that are on these streaks that stay healthy, it's hard to do because that means no suspensions, no injuries. You're not sitting. You're coming to work every day. You're playing every single game. And I think that you should want to nurture that in the NHL. Exactly. I 100% agree. 
Um, anyways, I'm just glad I'm just glad to see him have a nice day. You know, he didn't really say anything, but he showed up by by yep. scoring and, and playing well yep, in the game. Let your won, play do the talking, right? So, um, exactly. And so now oh, I want you mean to move guy's on gonna to win the Calder this year? Favorite player, Dollar Dollar um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The Dollar Bill Kirill, aka uh, Capri Sun, and the, I don't know if you know who we're talking about, but we're talking about Kirill Kaprizov. So this kid, well, kid or, or man, uh, like <laughs> he was drafted in 2015 in the fifth round, number 135 overall by the Minnesota Wild. And then he immediately went to the KHL, and we never heard from him again. And he slowly worked away in the KHL, working for 0.78 points per game over six years, 230 points in 293 games, uh, most uh, recently playing for CSKA Moscow, which is, uh, if you guys know KHL, is one of the biggest teams or one of the two teams there. And, uh, yeah, uh, one thing I also found out about this guy, he was on the Olympic athletes from Russia team that won gold in the 2018 Olympics. He, uh, he looks unreal. He uh, got first star of the week recently this year. and uh, or, Sorry, not this year, but uh, this week he was first star of the week with uh, an assist in his uh, second game and, the, uh, of course, the goal and two assists. At the start of the game, he's looked like a great overtime player. And I think he's really inserted a lot of uh, offense into that Minnesota Wild lineup that you uh, haven't seen in the past. I think one thing that really impressed me with uh, Kaprizov was his uh, first game, uh, the uh, overtime uh, game against uh, the LA Kings to start the season. I just found he looked unreal. He was the uh, primary assist on uh, Two of Minnesota's goals, and in overtime, you could see him just be pressuring the the defense. He uh, poke checked the puck and right in stride, grabbed it, was able to take it on a sick breakaway and uh, score the game winner. I, I think he looks special, and I, I think this uh, this kid really has a chance to take the NHL by storm, similar to the way uh, Artemi Panarin did when he uh, joined the NHL with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. He's a little bit older. He looks like he has that experience from Russia. And you know what? I think that he's going to be quite the, uh, the rookie for uh, Minnesota. And uh, yeah, he's my, he's my early pick to win uh, rookie of the year. And uh, yeah, I think he's quite the player. So I, I totally agree, Dalton. I mean, I mean, he's got to be the, the top pick of a lot of people for Calder right now one weekend. But he had a game-winning goal. He had uh, the game-winning assist in overtime. And the, one of the other games, like, he's playing on their top line with Breezy and Rask. I mean, they don't have Zuccarello right now. So, I think he's kind of taking that, you know, scoring, like, scoring kind of, like, job for, from him basically <laughs> right now. But, I mean, this is why they drafted him, like. He's 23, which is funny as a rookie, but I think him being that age and the long experience con. in the KHL playing with men and scoring 30 goals twice, that that's kind of why. But that's why he, you know, it took so long and why. He, but he's on the first line right away, and I just think that you know, he's just. I just think he has so much skill. Yep. Yep. It's and, uh, uh, it's another young prospect too. taking the uh, the NHL by storm, especially coming over from the KHL. This is uh, something you see sometimes is these uh, these older rookies coming in and then just being nasty. Like like I said, I, I 
I don't know if it's too early to compare him to uh, Artemi Panarin, but uh, he's looking a lot like it right now. I think that's, uh, uh, that's all what Minnesota that, Wild uh, fans uh, hope for. That injection into the lineup of that extra offense, and it can really help uh, help a team that seems to be rebuilding a little bit. So you, you never know. Maybe Minnesota will surprise us this year. <laughs> Maybe it will be uh, wild. Um. I think a, um, uh, a good time to talk about me? Ovi would be right now. We've got uh, him one goal away from being number seven all time because he's uh, right behind Mark, Mike Gardner on his uh, his goal quest right now for the uh, number one spot. But uh, at the same time, the uh, Capitals were recently fined $100,000. You had a, a small group of uh, Capitals that were apparently breaking COVID pro- protocol. And that included, uh, recently, the list has been uh, Ovechkin, Orlov, Samsonov, and Kuznetsov. And uh, it seems that uh, they had uh, some kind of get-together. The players were too close, not wearing masks. And the NHL really wants to uh, crack down on that right now. So it seems these players are either uh, suspended indefinitely or having to go through the uh, COVID protocol. So it looks like we're going to have no Ovi, Orlov, Samsonov, or Kuznetsov in the Caps lineup for likely the next two weeks. And I think that's really going to affect that team because that's, uh, well, basically you're taking a, a huge part of their core and pulling it out. But uh, during COVID, you, you got to take this seriously with the, uh, the two more games that we recently had postponed between uh, the, uh, the Panthers and the Hurricanes now after the uh, original Predators and Hurricanes game being uh, postponed i think it's it's a good move by the nhl and they're showing that uh even with their main stars they they're not backing down they want to make sure things are being done safe exactly like the nhl does not want this to turn into the problems that like the nfl had and the nba they want it to go smooth um and i was expecting you to say a bunch of young guys on that name i was not expecting to hear orlov or ovechkin those guys are leaders on that team and you know they gotta they gotta act like it. Like, just because you score, you're not immune to COVID just because you're pro athlete, and you're putting the league in danger. Not even the league, you're putting in the division now. You're putting your division in danger, but now you're making it hard on just like extending the game. So those games are gonna go postpone, postpone. Hurricanes yeah. game got postponed. Uh, Dallas hasn't played yet. They're playing January 22nd because they had a big outbreak. So I think that obviously probably would have opened up those guys' eyes. And, hey, it spreads quickly. Like, you may not know what you're doing if you you could get it from anywhere, right? But it spreads, and especially in the locker rooms, you know, group showers and everything. But, I, yeah, I guess the only thing that I also really wanted to chat about was <laughs> what's happening there. Yeah, Luke Dubois. <laughs> is he going to move soon or are we, are we, is it going to be all season? Like, is, uh, it seems like uh, every other day there seems to be a new suitor that's kind of definitely going to get him. I've heard, uh, Rangers really want him. I've heard Florida really wants him. I've heard Montreal really wants him. Like, uh, it seems everyone wants him, but no one's willing to pay for him. Montreal. And I think Columbus really mm-hmm. sees that, especially on his current sweetheart deal that he just signed, the uh, the two-year bridge deal. I think uh, it's really easy to bring a, a very talented player into your lineup, and uh, a lot of teams don't want to have to give up much. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what Columbus does if they flip him. He seems to be still playing quite well he scored a goal the other day with uh columbus and uh yeah i think it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes for the rest of the year and see if we uh get a quick move or if it's going to be something that's going to happen by the deadline 
I'm also thinking like, is he going to get flipped for another player that can play in the lineup right away? So we're going to, is he going to get flipped for prospects that either can play in the lineup right away or still need some time, right? Like, is it going to be a Johansson, Seth Jones, one for one kind of deal, or are you trading him for like a couple uh, Rangers prospects that may take a couple well, years and may not even pan out? You know what I mean? So. I don't see him taking that long. I mean, but they just keep talking about him because I feel like there's nothing else to talk about. But he basically said, like, I don't want to play yeah. here. So everyone's, like, yeah. jumping on and that. And he's not waiting. throwing basketballs like, at teammates yet. To so we, we got that going for him. <laughs> Sick. Well, I mean, it's a, you know, classic sport. <laughs> Sick league. Sick league. With cla- with some classy guys. Sick sick league, right? Uh, I, lo- I love the NBA still. I just, I, you know, my heart's on the skates. Um. Well, I guess that's all we have for today's episode. I mean, I hope I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely had a great time. Um, I want to thank yeah, thank everyone yeah. for listening. We'll have, uh, listening out there. And, Hopefully, uh, uh, see you next Friday. Things clear up on the COVID front in all the leagues, though. You never know. <laughs>